table. Then it's done. A centuries-old custom observed for another year. We've made sure the spirits have gotten their fill, that they haven't gotten too close, and then we've sent them happily on their way, awaiting the end of the month when they return to the underworld once more. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today will be a continuation of my interview with Yin Yin Wu and Colin Goh, who are the creators of Dim Sum Warriors comic series. They are originally from Singapore. They were in New York for 20 years, and then they already spent two years in Taiwan. The interesting thing about them is that Colin used to be a lawyer, and now he is pursuing something he loves. So it's like his dream come true. I think comics have also developed quite a lot in the past 30 years. Oh. Uh, it used to be seen as a children's thing, but actually now, as we, as we know, in, in the US, in Europe, uh, in Japan, as many adults read it as, as kids. Mm. So it's, become, it's really become a, a medium and genre of its, of its own. Taiwan has some fantastic... Comic, comic artists, artists yeah. yeah, very good. Fantastic, comic we do. Yeah. Okay, yes. yeah. So I think so. So one is comics. Two is actually um, uh, the research in applied linguistics has also talked about translanguaging. So what it means is using the home language to build uh, hooks and a map for the target language. So traditionally, we've thought of languages as immersion. Right, you have to be. Either in, in an English language classroom, no Chinese. In a Chinese classroom, no English. Yeah, true, true. Correct? Mm -hmm. But that's a very inefficient way of learning. Really? Yeah. So the, the research shows translanguaging. So if you read a story in your home language, you have a map for the meaning. So okay. when you read it in the target language, you don't feel lost and you oh. can focus on learning the language. Okay. It's like when you're navigating, you have a map for where you're going. So it's actually yeah. a very effective method for, for language learning. Oh, okay. It's also, when, when we first came to Taiwan, our daughter went to a Taiwanese school and we saw her English textbook. Uh -huh. And it was very odd because it, they were just imported from the US. So this is a private, uh, private okay, school, private school. Right? Okay. So in private school, they import these textbooks from the US. Okay. So the curriculum ends up being things like you're studying like Mustangs in the middle of America. Mustangs. Uh -huh. So I'm like, and when are you yeah. going to see Food pantries Mustangs? in Florida. 
they were asked to talk about food pantries. Not not even in New York, where our daughter was growing up. Yeah. Did she have to talk about mustangs or food, food pantries, pantries in Florida? You you know these these were completely irrelevant, irrelevant. to their lives. Yeah. Uh, but they were expected because it's it was in this imported textbook. They were expected to learn it, and so of course the kids. It didn't register with the kids. Yeah, they at all. lose interest. Yeah. yeah, they lose interest and they can't use it. So, so in in education research, we call they call it culturally relevant pedagogy or culturally relevant curriculum. So we need to make curriculum relevant to the students' lives. Mm-hmm. So last mm-hmm. semester, for example, I taught a, a lab class in Muta Guoqiao. So our neighborhood school uh-huh. uh, in English. So I used the Tinsa Warriors curriculum to teach them. So one of the things I did was I asked them, what are your favorite foods? Can you tell me in English? So they talked about pizza, yeah. uh, fries, uh, and hamburgers. Okay. Right? So so I said, don't you like uh, luro fan? Like braised pork rice? Don't you like bubble tea? Pop they said, we love them. So I said, but do you use English to talk about them? No, they don't, right? They don't. So when we think about learning a foreign language in the context of Taiwan, such as English, what you want to do, what we want kids to do is to be able to talk about their own worlds Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell Americans about hamburgers and fries, but Americans (laughs) will be very interested in learning about bubble tea and braised pork rice and beef beef rice, right? Uh, beef noodles. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I think the goal has to shift to thinking about how do we get kids to express themselves and what they know, rather than learning like other people's uh-huh. knowledge. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. And and then they can become much more confident in the language because they have stuff to say. They have stories mm-hmm. to tell. You know, I'm learning so much. <laughs> I had no idea that actually comics, uh, comic books, is actually good. Um, I've always had a negative connotation about it and I know that my kids grew up with some comic books I'm not quite sure but um you know uh, one time I felt I felt good and I felt safe was that they were reading comic books about sex education I flipped through it and it looked you know it's it's not dirty it's not you know anything like you know x-rated but I thought wow you can teach sex education this way which I thought was fine and they loved that book you know so this is really amazing because um there are um, comic book stores around and kids just hang out the whole day there which I don't like but then you're saying that actually these comic books that actually some of the content is actually good it's like books right now there's such a wide variety of comics there are good comics there are bad comics just like there are good books and there are bad books but comics as a medium is particularly interesting because there's no limit to how good words can be there's no limit to how good pictures can be so when you have a medium that puts the two of them together, you start getting new possibilities. Also, unlike, say, watching a film, you can actually flip back and forth very easily with a book. You can stay on an image, you can stay on the text and look at it and focus. You know, you don't, you don't have to rewind and it's, it's a lot more difficult. So it's both a literary and a visual medium. And I think there are very big artistic possibilities. Mm. Yeah. there as well also I think just kids love comics I mean it's as simple as that and you, if you parents in Taiwan have a hard time getting their kids to read books in English yes. I think <laughs> comic only words, start no, no with pictures. English comic books that's a fantastic start start with um, in Singapore uh, a lot of kids have started reading the Dim Sum Warrior series and 
the kids in Singapore don't like to read Chinese books, but a lot of them have picked up in some worries because it's comic form in Chinese. Uh-huh. Um, and then yeah. they get to read it in English first. So it's not scary. It is, it's, it's enjoyable. And the other thing good about comics, what we've experienced is that kids end up wanting to make them. Make their own comic yes. book. Yes. So when they read oh. the comic books, they want to make it because it's not like, a, so they just need a pen and paper. a pen and paper mm-hmm. and they can make their own comics. So it really kind of triggers, um, triggers creativity. So we run a monthly uh, uh, Facebook uh, social media event called Mm. uh, Food with Feelings, where we draw with kids. Well, he draws with kids and I just like talk nonsense. Um, uh, And and the kids put in a lot of effort. We can't see them, but after that, they'll post their pictures. So they're sitting there drawing with Colin. So we'll say, you know, Food with Feelings, let's have an angry apple. What does an angry apple look like? (laughs) You know, and they will draw, they'll come up with these characters and we'll, we'll mix and match adjectives yeah. with food and you know it's really fun and kids like doing that that's an inherent silliness mm. you don't have to have fantastic language skills to come up with a comic yeah. so but you can tell a story you can tell a story with a few words yeah. and a simple exactly. drawing you don't have to be a brilliant artist either right mm, some of yeah. the best cartoons are just stick figures Mm. Yeah. So once kids kind of start creating, um, that's when they get hooked onto creating and it really triggers them wanting to, to create more. One of our big aims is to get kids just wanting to use what they know, to use the language. Because often, right, we go through school yes. and at the end of it, we just don't use whatever we learn in school. True. Whether it's that language, so <laughs> whether it's language, oh, you know, kids or play music. piano for like like to grade eight, and then never play the music instrument ever again. Uh, um, it happens a lot. It's yeah. because it's always done for a test. It's always done. It's not so kids the need to force ex- on the parents. Yeah. 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 By the parents. So I think it's so important to experience everything that you have as a tool for creation. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Do you two believe that we were, all of us humans were born with an artistic mind or that we're born to be able to create art or whatever? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not putting in the right words, but um, I've in, recently interviewed people who pretty much say the same thing. We're all born to, we do have creativity in, in us, inborn in us. Do you believe that? I believe that everybody has a strong desire to express who we are and that expression often comes in the form of drawings in the form of music it could be in the form of stories <laughs> in the form be... of making food so those the creative impulse comes from the expressive impulse right this is who i am and you want to document your life i mean that's why we create stories um because we feel like our stories are stories that other people haven't done um, and we need to document that part of our lives to, to it's, it's like a, a desire for, for longevity, right? Uh-huh. So I, I, want to, I want to leave this in the world so that every, you know, other people know that we I have, existed from, I this, existed period from this period of time. from this period it's, of time. It, that is a basic impulse. Whether yeah. or not you become an artist is not you know, necessarily relevant. Mm-hmm. In fact, talent is not particularly relevant yeah. either. It, it's, a lot of it to do, is to do with, in some ways... Perseverance mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of talent, but if you decide to give it up, 
it's no use. It's it's about yeah. wanting it badly enough to continue doing whatever it is that makes because you special. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But yeah. I also think it's a survival uh, need. It's a need for survival right now at this moment. So I hear a lot of parents understanding and talking about how our future is going to be controlled by AI, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Yeah. So all these machines that are going to control our lives and take away all our jobs. <laughs> And because of that, a lot of parents send kids to coding classes, thinking that that's the path. Oh, really? Yes. 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 But unfortunately, if the world is taken over by artificial intelligence, the only thing that can make us survive, help us survive, is human intelligence. And what does that mean? It means creativity. Okay. It's the only thing that will make us differentiate ourselves from machines. That will help us retain our jobs in the future. Is creativity. So I think the sooner we really kind of focus on how do we get kids to be creative and express themselves and be able to be flexible in their thinking and take risks, the sooner we prepare them for the future. Mm. Talking to you makes education look so much fun. You know, <laughs> not like before. You know, education is like a must thing, and that you've got that education in order to survive in this world. But you're making education very fun. So now you've touched on how it helps. You know this series. You know helps with language learning. You know bilingual language learning and creativity. Where do we go from here with Dim Sum Warriors? It seems like limitless. You know possibilities. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, limitless. Uh, well, the limit is how many hours there are in a day. I guess <laughs> I would love to see this as either an animated series or. Or a movie. Is uh, that in the mix right now? Um, we have a script. I think it's just what everybody goes through now. We have to keep. We have so many different balls that we're juggling. We don't actually know which one uh, will catch. But it's okay because I see the to, your personalities. It's like you know, you take whatever comes your way. You know, you guys are very <laughs> carefree, but actually you're doing something that's very meaningful and fun. And loved by kids. Yeah. What about the idea of using Dimson Warriors in actual school classes? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So, so I have actually developed uh, with the Dimson Warriors books and app. I've developed a full curriculum. To right. be used in classes, so okay. in Chinese schools, uh, it can be. So, it can be so, anywhere. so uh, okay. it's been developed, so it can go anywhere. So, the whole education uh, learning system that we developed for Dimsum Warriors has been certified by um, Education Alliance Finland. So, they certified uh, products for educational quality, for uh, pedagogical quality. So, we've been certified, and go. yeah, so it's so it'll be a so mix. if uh, Taiwanese schools are yeah. interested, it's definitely something that and that it's interesting really because it's. It's a mix of printed books, materials, as well as digital materials. So you know, you can read the books. You can also record yourself, and there's technology to give you feedback on your pronunciation and fluency as well. Plus, there are all sorts of uh, creative projects that can accompany um, the content as well. So you know, I think it's a pretty fun thing. If there are schools or even Bushiban. Who want to take it on? It'll probably yeah. be a fun thing for them to, to yeah. add to the curriculum. Sound yeah. like a cram school, you know? Yeah, we've been doing uh, most of our work in Singapore, so we haven't really started doing this in, in Taiwan. Taiwan. So, but because of our lab class last, uh, the lab class that I ran last semester, so I I think it's going to work pretty well in Taiwan. Where you want to go with Dim Sum Warriors? We want everybody to to know Dim Sum Warriors to be able to. Uh, use Dim Sum Warriors for language learning, for for thinking about uh, a better world where where all foods uh, 
are friends with each other. Right. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, it was so much joy talking to the two of you. Thank mm-hmm. you so very much for you so your much. joy. You're so welcome. And your creativity and just wonderful ideas, you know, with, with me, with my audience too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. All right. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we look at some of the poems of the late Tang Dynasty poet Wen Tingyun. Wen was known as the founder of the flowery school of a lyrical style of poetry called Si. The works were sung to the accompaniment of music, using popular melodies of the day. And in the late Tang Dynasty, after the Anlusan Rebellion, politics and society went downhill, and one's works inspired people to use a delicate form of poetry that was focused on expressing one's emotions. Today we'll hear three of his famous poems. The first one is called Gun Lozi or On the Water Clock at Night. Incense in the jade burner. Tears on the red candle. They stubbornly shine on autumn grief in painted halls. Emerald mascara light, side curl, clouds thin. The night is long, coverlet and pillow cold. Wutong trees and midnight rain don't know the grief felt right now. At parting, leaf by leaf, sound by sound, they drop on empty stairs till day. And here's another poem called Early Departure. At dawn I rise and my cab bells begin to ring. But in thoughts of home, I am lost. The cock crows as the moon sets over a thatched inn. 
Footprints are left on wood bridged, paved with frost. The mountain path is covered with oak leaves. The post house bright with blooming orange trees. The dream of my homeland still haunts and grieves with mallards playing on the pool with geese. And here's one more work by the famous lyrical poet Wen Tingyun To a friend bound east The old fort brims with yellow leaves You insist upon forsaking this place where you have lived A high wind blows at Hanyang Ferry And sunrise lights the summit of Ingmen who will be left for me along the upper Yangtze after your solitary skiff has entered the end of the sky? I ask you over and over when we shall meet again while we soften with wine cups this ache of farewell. Those are the poems of the famous founder of the flowery School of Lyrical Poetry in the Tang Dynasty, Wen Tingyun. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan's summer vacation is drawing to a close. A new school year is about to begin, 
And with COVID-19 under control in Taiwan, classes will go ahead as they normally do. But the government is not taking any chances, and the new school year will bring with it new rules designed to keep COVID-19 at bay. When Taiwan's children go back to school next Monday, here's what they can expect. New COVID-19 guidelines for schools say that students won't have to wear a mask if they are in well-ventilated areas and maintain a proper social distance. It's a sign of Taiwan's success in fighting off COVID-19. But Education Minister Pan Wenzhong says this doesn't mean anyone's letting down their guard. Pan says when it comes to enclosed or crowded spaces and school buses, it's masks on for everyone. The same goes for school kitchens. And for at least the first two weeks of the school year, all students and teachers will have to have their temperatures checked at the start of each day. Some guidelines from last semester are staying in place. One confirmed infection at a school and the class involved is stopped for 14 days. Two or more infections and the whole school closes for 14 days. Supplies like masks, thermometers, rubbing alcohol, and protective gear are being shipped to schools across Taiwan to ensure that everyone is ready for a safe, COVID-free new year. John Van Trieste, RTI News. Though Taiwan has done a better job than most in beating COVID-19, the disease continues to make its impact felt here. The latest victim, one of the season's most exciting traditional events. The event's organizers are nothing if not resourceful, though. They have cooked up a safer alternative featuring the one thing that all Taiwanese people can rally around, food. Taiwan is still in the middle of Ghost Month, a period in the late summer when spirits roam the earth and people try to appease them. Some parts of Taiwan have turned appeasing the spirits into a grand spectacle. For instance, there's the annual Ghost Month obstacle course event called Tianggu that's held every year in Tocheng, Ilan County. This year, though, Tocheng is quiet. The race has been called off due to concerns about COVID-19 and crowding. Instead, there's a cook-off challenge pitting 30 teams against one another in an effort to create the best locally inspired food offering for the ghosts. Fans of the race need not feel too bad, though. Instead, they need only head to Hongchun in Taiwan's far south, the one other place that also holds this event each year. This year, the number of teams is being cut to prevent crowding. But at least in Hongchun, the race to the top is still on. John Van Trieste, RTI News. A total of 30 restaurants in Taipei and Taichung received stars by the Michelin Guide this year. This is the first year that the Global Culinary Guide rated restaurants in Taichung. Four of the starred restaurants were in the central city of Taiwan. Along with restaurants in Taipei, the Michelin Guide also included ratings for restaurants in Taichung for the first time this year. Le Palais of the Palais de Chine Hotel in Taipei won the three-star rating for the third year in a row. Three Taipei restaurants received the Michelin star for the first time. They include a cut of the Ambassador Hotel, which serves U.S. and Australian beef steaks, the Spanish restaurant Molino de Udinese, and Japanese restaurant Sushi Akira. The Taizong restaurants that received a Michelin star are Fleur de Sel, Fochetta, and Oretachi no Nikuya. Taizong's JL Studio featuring Asian cuisine won a two-star rating. With 26 restaurants in Taipei and four in Taizong, 30 restaurants received the prestigious Michelin star, showing Taiwan is truly a world-class culinary destination. Transportation Minister Lin Jialong said he hopes the Michelin Guide will continue to go south to discover the delicious food in southern Taiwan as well. Shirley Lin, RTI News.
This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. The National Culture Award is now in its 39th year. It is a Lifetime Achievement Award, recognizing those who have contributed to the promotion of culture in Taiwan. The 39th edition of the National Culture Award Ceremony was held on Thursday at the Songshan Cultural and Creative Park in Taipei. The recipients of the award this year are the Master of Traditional Glove Puppetry, Chen Xi Huang, and the founder of the Zhu Percussion Group, Zhu Zhongqing. Chen is now 90. He began learning glove puppetry at a very young age from his father, who was also a master of the art form. In his acceptance speech, Chen said that the art form is not as popular as it once was, meaning that even after decades, he must still find ways to innovate. His apprentices put on a show at the ceremony to honor his work. Zhu, meanwhile, studied percussion in Vienna and has gone on to become one of Taiwan's most distinguished percussionists. In his acceptance speech, Zhu said that he would donate his 33,600 U.S. dollar prize to the National University of the Arts in order to fund the teaching of percussion. His ensemble group also performed during the event in his honor. Shirley Lin, RTI News. The Erhu is a bowed two-stringed musical instrument used in traditional Chinese music ensembles. These instruments were long imported from China, but after 20 years of trial and error, a Taiwanese craftsman is finally building these instruments in Taiwan. Although the erhu has just two strings, this instrument can express a world of emotion in the right hands. Taiwan's erhu making master, Li Shishan, is proud of his instruments, but he started out not as a craftsman, but as an instrument importer. The instrument comes from China, and it is in China that most are made. But the resonator is covered with snakeskin, and a change to Taiwan's animal protection law meant that imports from China were no longer possible. Li had to learn to build his own. It took Li 20 years to find a way of making the most beautiful-sounding erhu. He says he applied the principles of physics in his search for the most suitable materials. He said the hard part is finding good quality snakeskins. He says that even different parts of the skin produce a different tone. He says his way of producing erhu is unlike the method used in China, and the unique result has gained praise from musicians. Now his erhu has become so popular that even musicians in Japan, the U.S. and Canada are ordering from him. He has also taken on some young apprentices, hoping the techniques he has developed will carry on. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And before we end today's program, we have a story about Chinese Valentine's Day, and it has something to do with animals. Qi Xi, or Chinese Valentine's Day, was on August 25th. And this year, it wasn't just people expressing their love. Apparently, many in the animal kingdom also showed the romantic side on this special occasion, including the residents of Taiwan's National Aquarium in Pingdong. Penguins court by placing a rock in front of their beloved. It's a bit like the way humans in some cultures propose with diamond rings. If the other penguin shows affection in return, the couple prepares to begin mating. 
That was what was going on at the National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium on Tuesday, which coincidentally was also the holiday sometimes called Chinese Valentine's Day in English. The penguins will build love nests shaped like small volcanoes after they have finished mating, says their caretaker. It wasn't just the penguins feeling love in the air either. Sea hares and puffins were also reportedly looking for romance, too. Aquarium visitors were delighted at seeing the varied forms of animal courtship on display. Catherine Wei, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Even though we have seen a lot of growth in, in terms of number of homeschoolers in Taiwan, uh, right now at the moment the, the number of uh, home-educated uh, students is, is at about 7,000, which is still quite a small percentage uh, in terms of 2.5 million school-age students. Hello and welcome to this week's On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Tim Chen, chief organizer of Taiwan Homeschool and founder of Taiwan Homeschool Advocates, has been promoting home education since 2003 in Taiwan and has also been advocating education choice since 2007. He said home education is successful in Taiwan and he started home education when his daughter was only five in 2003. There were only around 100 students by then, but today, Tim Chan said the number has grown to more than 7,000 home-educated students. Tim Chan is also a board member of GHEC, or Global Home Education Conference Advisory Board. And our guest today is Mr. Tim Chan. Tim, first of all, many of us have heard about homeschool. What is homeschool really according to you? Okay. Well, homeschool, uh, or, or also known as home education, uh, is a way of learning that's outside uh, established school institutions. So it can mean uh, from anything that parents teach their, their own kids to uh, parents uh, from uh, what we call a co-op that uh, teach a small group of children among themselves, or to uh, in Taiwan there's also institutions called non-school based experimental education whereby uh, individuals uh, will set up a, a non-school in- institutions and have a government uh, registered 
and, and to teach uh, students uh, outside the uh, national curriculum subjects. Uh, you have been providing homeschool education since 2003 and advocating education choice since 2007. Now, tell us the idea. If homeschool education has been successful in Taiwan, why do you still need to advocate education choice? Okay. First of all, not many people know about it. So and uh, even though we have seen a lot of growth in, in terms of number of homeschoolers in Taiwan, uh, right now, at the moment, uh, the the number of uh, home educated uh, students is is at about seven thousand uh, among the grade one to twelve, uh, which is still quite small percentage uh, in terms of two point five million uh, school age students. So we still need to talk about it because uh, many uh, students and parents don't realize that they have this choice that they can not go to school or not receiving, uh, not following the national curriculum. And also it's good for uh, people who want to engage in in, uh, providing services to home education, such as uh, publishers uh, publishing materials or, um, like I said earlier, uh, institutions whereby they provided uh, parents and students uh, some support for home home education. But last but not least is to have a dialogue and discussion with the government as well as the schools whereby uh, they can have a better understanding of what the parents and students are doing at home and therefore they can uh, form their policies uh, in a more uh, supportive way. Um, to form the legislation and to have a dialogue with the government, we'll, we'll get back to that later. But f- you mentioned that there has been a growth uh, in the number of uh, homeschool education students. And how successful is home education in Taiwan, according to you? Uh, homeschool or home education is very successful in Taiwan in, in many regards. Uh, first of all, it's the, the, the number, the absolute number. Uh, when we started home education, uh, uh, my my oldest daughter, when she was five, and that was back in 2003, like you mentioned, and uh, and, and there were only like a handful of us in Taipei, and throughout the whole country, the number is like in the in the low hundreds. But now, uh, in the, in Taiwan, in the past academic year, uh, 2019, and we have over 7,000 home education, uh, home educated students. So as you can see, the number has increased by almost um, uh, 20 folds in, in, the, in the past uh, um, maybe 18 years. So especially in the last few years, uh, the, the growth has been almost doubling every year because of the, the passing of the regulation that it, the, home edu- the rights of home, homeschool kids has been legally protected. And which is a not uh, a norm in in throughout the world because they are they are part of the the, the world that home education is still prohibited uh, and also in especially in in East Asian uh, countries whereby um, let's look at the places like Hong Kong and China uh, home education is still not uh, allowed and in Japan. Uh, it's not recognized, and uh, so 
So you know, it, rather it, Taiwan's done a very, very good job in terms of、uh, supporting and respecting the rights of parents to choose how their children should be educated. You're listening to Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today I'm speaking with Mr. Tim Chen, Chief Organizer of Taiwan Homeschool and founder of Taiwan Homeschool Advocates. Then, what kind of dialogue do you hope to have with the government? No,、oh, uh, we have had very successful and constructive uh, uh, di- dialogue with the government,、uh, starting 12 years ago when I、um, sort of become more actively involved in this、uh, effort. Of course, we, we we went through the phases that we have to. Attend public meetings and、uh, writing in the newspaper op-eds, and、uh, working with the reporters on investigative reports and、uh, doing feature documentaries, and to show the、uh, home education is、uh, is a human right, and also it does not、uh, it, it actually provide choices, but not.、Uh, Affecting the children's education. Then, and after all that、uh, effort, we have、uh, successfully persuaded、uh, legislators in Taiwan to pass the、uh, amendment to the Education Act, which will kind of like <laughs> force the government, the Ministry of Education, to to look at home education、uh, more seriously and start tracking the number of home educators, setting our national. Regulation and then later lead to、uh, a pass of a, a, a law which specially governing the the rights of home education and also how the the application are processed. So since then we have seen the government, both in the central government and the local government, putting resources into supporting home education, and so kind of move from. Uh, Avocation into like、uh, regulation, and now it's more of a, in a supportive way. So, for example, if you are 15 to 18、uh, high school age home educated students, you'll receive a, a, a government grant and uh, uh, worth about、uh, 2,000 US dollar a year、uh, to help you studying、uh, in, in in home education. So. That is、uh, very useful if you are、uh, trying to do something, and、uh, and, and you feel like you, know, you need more support from the government. And, and also, you 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 can also get、um, uh, support in terms of a, a home education center. So, for example, in Taipei and Taoyuan, we have、um, extensive、uh, government support in terms of physical infrastructure, like in Taoyuan. Uh, the home education center runs a lab for, with a 3D printers and and chemical、uh, proper experimental labs, so that if you are home educated, you need to use those facility. You can go and you don't need to worry about whether you're going to you don't get a support、um, to to have a proper education.、Mm-hmm. This 2,000 US dollar tuition subsidy is allocated to. One student per se. Yes, yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, and、uh, so basically, so the and that money actually paid directly to the student, not to the parents. 
So we we seen a very interesting uptake in terms of uh, used to be the home education are the the preview of uh, of, of uh, sort of like middle class or, or middle upper class households, whereby you know the uh, only those who can afford to live on a single income uh, to to have to home educate their, their children. But with the tuition subsidies, that uh, we started seeing uh, more. Uh, 15-year-old and then 17-year-old uh, students who want to take back their education, so to speak, and to uh, to you know to to tell their their parents that you know while well, I, I enjoy learning, I don't enjoy schooling. So therefore, I want to take the government grant and to design my own education. So it's like hacking your own education and to to pursue. It. And then they they do very interesting things. Um, one of the students I work with, who is um, who, who is a, a coder, and uh, he now works with the academic Seneca as a research assistant, and uh, which is the highest research institution in Taiwan. And he's only 17, and he's uh, and also uh, another student who is very interesting in in in, in, the, in the field of biology and life science. So he's pursuing a research assistant to, um, to 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 Yangming Medical School, which is one of the top public medical school in Taiwan, and and so people are doing all sort of things. Some went on to do volunteer work, and uh, to become a volunteer in not only in Taiwan but in other part of the East Southeast Asia, and to help out because uh, the, the grant gave them some degree of freedom to pursue whatever uh, interest they would like to, be, to do. Mm-hmm. How are teachers selected uh, to provide homeschool education to these students? Okay, it's very interesting. Um, Taiwan home, home education is actually quite regulated in the way that everyone who has to do it have to apply and then being approved by the local education authority either Education Bureau or, or some other uh, institution. So therefore, um, when you write in the proposal, you have to state uh, who are your teachers, what are your resources, how are you going to do it. And in effect, anyone can be your teacher. You can, we don't restrict on the qualifications or experience, uh, as long as the person who is going to teach you on a particular subject has the relevant experience. So if you want to say, well, I'm going to ask my my older brother to be my English teacher, then you have to show that your older brother is competent in in this regard. But but he doesn't need to be a, a qualified uh, English teacher to do that. So it provides a lot of flexibility and, uh, and it allows students to to basically take responsibility of their own education and then and select the teacher carefully and, and, and without, but then we, we, on, we only check mainly to see the consistency of the proposal. And what that means is that, for example, if you want to write a proposal to say that, you know, my home education effort is to, to, to send a, a, a rover to Mars and in three years, and, and we'll need to look at the proposal very carefully to see whether it's doable or not. Um, but if you say, you know, my proposal is to to follow the uh, the, the Mars disc, uh, uh, exploration of either NASA or, or or some other agencies, 
and then it's much much more uh, likely that it's going to succeed because you know that is within the the reach of of your resources. So there are no set rules on how students can do their home education or or who or, or how how we look at things. But we we mainly apply common sense law to uh, to make sure that it's it's a sound and purpose for education. And that was the first part of our interview with Tim Chen, Chief Organizer of Taiwan Homeschool. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carl Simon. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.